Welcome back to Presentation Thinking, a.k.a. Pitching Ain't Easy, a.k.a. The Storytellers Study Club. A.k.a. Thinking About Cool Storytellers, Obsessing Over People We Love. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And what I was going to say is, Molly, you've got a friend in me. You know, listener, Brees, we were just talking, me and Molly, before hitting record, and we were like, um... Yeah, who sang that song? And Molly was like, oh, yeah, James Taylor, but he's dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, you guys, I she's like, James I'm glad we didn't record that. Dead. And then I was like, wait, maybe is James Taylor dead? And so I looked it up. He's only 74, Molly. He's not at all dead, everybody. And I remember I heard um, him on Mark Maron's podcast. Um, <laughs> and he talked about like, I guess old JT, the, the original JT had a very addictive personality. And then like when he kicked hard drugs, in his like in the eighties or whatever, he he got really into jazzercise and would do like he would do jazzercise for like four hours a day in New York. Oh my god! Um, class That's a after lot. class after class. Yeah. And then we realized that you've got a friend in me, made famous by Toy Story, which we'll talk about why we're talking about this later. Wasn't actually James Taylor at all. You've got a friend in me. So <laughs> Randy Newman. Yeah, I'm googling now just to be sure. Yep, it's Randy Newman. This is yeah. the guy. That's his face. I'm showing Mikey. Who looks very much alive as well. Yeah, he's also alive. I don't know what I was thinking, but I, you know, there's just been a lot of beloved singer deaths. And I think it's best to assume the worst before your heart gets broken. Yeah, otherwise. That's true. So, that's true. you know, I think maybe that's where my head was at. <laughs> and are you going to Carolina in your mind? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. And the reason we're talking about James Taylor is because I am in South Carolina and spending the week here and in North Carolina. So you can rest assured that I started making a playlist. I put the James Taylor Carolina song on and then I stopped making a playlist. And that is what I've been listening to on repeat for several days now with my family around. And um, that's that's me. I'm recording from the south, everybody. And Mikey, where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm in my little town that you exposed the name of in um, Indiana. <laughs> and actually, it's a corking space that has a recording room. So if I sound like particularly good, it's because I'm in this little bunker with foam walls. So and if I sound so. particularly bad, it's because I'm in a small laundry room on a family vacation in a yeah. in a in a room. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sequestered away from my family. <laughs> Molly, enough about us. We uh, we had right, a, right. what we are calling a breakthrough episode today because we we stumbled upon this YouTube video, this incredible conference talk called "The Business of Storytelling" or "Storytelling in Business," mm-hmm. and we're like, we watched it per recommendation, and you and I watched it on our own, and then when we got together, we were like, that reminds me of this, and this reminds me of that. What what's going on here in the world of presentation thinking? Yeah. Well, you sent me this link and you were like, watch this immediately for the cast. And I did because I was just drinking my coffee. And it's this amazing animator from Pixar named Matthew Lunn at uh, CIMC doing a storytelling and business talk, as Mikey said. And it is one of the most engaging TED Talks or keynotes I've ever, or I've listened to in a while. I think it was 2017 is when he gave it. And as we started Googling this guy, he's got like amazing other resources, visual storytelling advice, uh, lots of other talks that people can go look up, really inspiring stuff. He's got really cool connections to Hollywood and some of our like childhood and current animated favorites. And we started to realize during his talk that a lot of the patterns of good storytelling and making stories memorable, making them stick are 
contain the components we've been talking about. So we, we thought we'd talk about them on the cast, our classic, you know, deep dive into someone we obsess over. And hopefully eventually this will be an honor for people to receive a presentation thinking deep dive, aka Mikey and I passing links of the same person back and forth until we know everything about their lives. Yeah, that's right. Why would we create our own original content when we can just watch other people's stuff and talk about it? That's what we're doing here. So much content. How did you How did you find out about this? Someone recommended him to you, right? Yeah, Phil did. Phil, he told me about it. Um, you know. There's a, there's a guy named Phil who, Allie and I, Allie, our uh, executive creative director at Ghost Ranch Communications, we were at a conference and yeah, met this amazing dude who was telling us this really funny story. He was he was captivated with the fact that we make a living on like working on PowerPoint and presentations, you know, and that's it. And he was like, back in my day, you know, like he told us this crazy story about an event that he worked at, running like presentations on a stage before PowerPoint existed, where he had to like set up all these projector in sequence and like so they created animated slides basically with like pretty tough to at the time like very cutting edge techniques and anyway i would love to have phil on the show to tell us about his story you know pre-powerpoint days of presenting uh but he thought of us because he was at a, a recent conference and saw matthew speak and so he looked up uh some of his other speaking engagements and shot us this video which we'll link to in the post uh show notes and it was it was awesome. I mean, was it maybe 35, 40 minutes? It was a proper, you know, keynote length. You can tell he's he's the big attraction at, at some Settle of in, buckle up, but it was worth it. Oh yeah, big time. And so yeah, yeah. So Phil told us about it. And then, you know, I guess we can talk about do you just want to dive into what we heard? Um, you know, it looked like a full house and Matthew kind of dives into his person his own background, right? Like which I think can be a good entrance into a presentation, kind of like draw some emotion, maybe some things you could relate to, but, you know, shows some like old school pictures of himself and his family and talks about how he grew up um, in a family that actually runs a toy store business in the San Francisco area, which is pretty unique, I would I would say. Yeah, it was awesome. He kind of opens up talking about his own personal story, getting you, which I think builds trust with an audience and also shares a lot of familial childhood memories, like going to the movies with his dad and even seeing movies that were probably a little too old for him at the time, like Polstergeist. And um, I can certainly remember watching all those like kidnapping kind of stories my dad would watch growing up. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? What is this? <laughs> growing up scared of certain things. But I think that's just something exciting to share with your parents, right? It's like this kind of cool hobby and passion. He talks about his dad wanting to be the Pixar animator. And then later he goes on to become the Pixar animator, which is pretty cool to fulfill that family dream. And he gets his first break. His first break was on The Simpsons after he made his, I think, first student film or something somewhere on the internet. Although he does say, can no, can no longer find on the internet. Uh, must disclaim for those uh, early filmmakers, right? And then after he gets on The Simpsons, he eventually gets into the story room. And he's like, that's where I started being like, this is what I loved. What goes into the story? What makes it exciting, memorable? And then his next you know, student experimental film gets seen by a little company called Pixar that approaches him with this crazy idea to make a movie with no prince or princess as the first, as the main character and no musical soundtrack uh, associated with it, no singing. And that little film was Toy Story. Yeah. And so Matthew talks about like how that was, like you said, like the huge break. I mean, I, I'd say Simpsons already, like massive break, like you said, yeah. learning from Conan. the, the Conans. But 
yeah, pull, getting pulled into the, I, I think as an animator, right, of Toy Story. I ended up doing, though, like 10 movies at Pixar, something like a 20-year career there, and really became, as you said, on the technical side, yes, he was an animator, but then once he found out there's a whole room, there's something called a story room. You know, he's like, what is that? That's what I want, more storyboarding. And he said at the heart of that is where you figure out what's at the heart of the story and what's the plot and who are the characters. And him, you know, getting to dive in and figure out why someone should care, what's behind the story. Uh, he said, I mean, like, if they were to compete on a soundtrack or the quality of the animation, he, he contests, like, that's not why those movies are great. It is the story at the heart of all of those like 10 Pixar movies he's worked on that was a difference maker. And it's a reason that like, what do you call it? The, the four quadrants, like man, woman, young, old. Yeah. It's not just for, for kids, right? Like we all somehow get a kick out of it. And that is, there's something later on, I think he talks about, but how could something be universally relatable and interesting and engaging to all of us? That's kind of crazy. So definitely, I think I'd say there he, you know, he kind of establishes credibility with just the fact that he's he's been through 10, I, I mean, the name Pixar alone is is good enough, but 10 Pixar movies that he's helped with the story on is just un, unbelievable. Significant. Absolutely. And he kind of goes through breaking down like what makes that story stick. Like we just finished reading Made Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, the Heath brothers. And they talk about first building that credibility with the audience, of course, but then yeah, it might not be that you don't relate to being a rat or you have this passion for French cooking, but you might relate to having a dream that maybe your family or the people around you don't support, which is Ratatouille, you know, and uh, we'll talk about his presentation in a little bit here, but all he has up behind him is a, a still of the Ratatouille rat that we all know and love. But it's this really cool breakdown of how he found himself here and then went kind of almost the back backwards way in where he's like part of all these technical visual pieces of it. And then actually got involved in more of the foundational stories. He says, one of his slides says, you know, great stories are memorable, impactful, and personal. And we started to realize dear listeners that this isn't the first time we've heard this. Obviously this is all of this research. The storytelling study club has uh, emerged with lots of patterns already with even just our, you know, episode 18, here we are. And he talks a lot about how much people are going to remember. And so part of that is, you know, you're only going to remember 5% of the data you consume in a day. But when you include fonts and visuals, you that number goes up. So you can get up to 65% memorability with visuals. And you can even get more memorability with feelings, which of course is what Pixar is all about. Everybody remembers the introduction to that heart, the heartbreaking introduction to Up Ugh. with the balloons <laughs> the house with the balloons and he breaks down his slide behind him it has an arrow up and an arrow down because he's because you open with this sweet couple you see them falling in love and it brings you up but then oh they want to have babies they can't and they bring you down and when you and he says when you you know when you mess with the chemicals of people's brains and it goes up and down so much and of course I won't spoil the intro in case anyone has seen up, but you know, starts it's a, it's a tearjerker. But that really that can make adults that can make adults cry, and that really reminded me of Vanessa Van Edwards, Mikey, where she talks about your emotions and your feelings being contagious and manipulating those for the benefit, right? And for Pixar's case, they want you intrigued in their story, obviously. Yeah, there's the the VVE connection of the contagion of feeling. Well, there's a whole chapter in made to stick uh, called, you know, emotion, like 
that a sticky message needs to be emotional in some way. And so, yes, I mean, in the Pixar stories, they were literally trying to bring you up and down and up and down on this emotional roller coaster because they know that can actually like have that physical response in, in our bodies as, as an audience member. The other one that, Molly, we watched um, a couple weeks ago was Nancy Duarte's TED Talk uh, where she found the structure that so many great speeches in time have have followed where they do. And, you know, as she zoomed out, after having studied MLK's speech and Steve Jobs' speech, she found this pattern that goes, you know, it's like steady, up, down, up, down. And the reason, again, is because you always want to like sort of be on the edge of your seat. They want to hook you in, yes, but a, a great movie doesn't just start and then, hey, happy, happy ending. It's got to like you, there has to be tension and challenges, and conflict, challenges, exactly. So yeah. that was the other one more connection to our uh, yeah compendium of other ideas going on in the presentation thinking world. What else? Right. No, absolutely. He talks about the hook and kind of bringing that in. And he even references the Steve Jobs talk that we've referenced multiple times. And even Dave referenced in our webinar last week, uh, you know, he says like smartphones exist, but they're stupid, but mine is going to be better. You know, it's like back and forth, back and forth. He also talks about appealing to the audience. So like, you know, as we've said, the context is everything. So you need to do that with real life experience to be authentic. You know, you're not going to just like, you can't just be gimmicky and you can't just have something be a free popcorn popper for the firefighters to watch a store, like a video on safety for, uh, as Chip and Dan Heath wrote about, like, it's gotta be something worthwhile. It's gotta be something pulled from experience. I thought it was interesting for those that have seen inside out the animated movie that, um, he says that every story that he's worked on has someone in the story room who relates to that experience or has some kind of inner connection, I suppose. And so for the Inside Out movie, it was something like his colleague that was always super happy, really joyous guy. And his daughter became a teenager and, you know, experiencing depression was a sad person and he didn't know how to deal with that. And so got learning about emotions and feelings, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And then I guess in Finding Nemo, they were all early parents at the time, like in, the re in that room. And they were realizing they're all like super helicopter parents. Like, you know, like from my experience too, like your first kid, if they so much as sneeze, you're worried that like, that, that it's over for them. And so, yeah, they were all helicopter parents and that informed like Marlon or Merlin or Marlon, uh, you know, Nemo's dad, his like very much overprotective personality over Nemo. So yeah, again, pulled from truth rather than just trying to make up from thin air. And that becomes so much more relatable universally. And, and when it's authentic feeling, then it's more likely to be something that we actually don't tune out because it's seems phony. Well, in addition to appealing to your audience, adapting to the context, he brings it back to his original personal anecdote, which he talks about using anecdotes as a tool as well, and has this great quote, saying, you know, the same great techniques that we used at Pixar to create stories about toys were the same great techniques that my family had used to sell toys, which was using a good story. And boom, you know, you have this nice connection moment of like, here's my personal anecdote. I built this context for you. I got to know you guys sharing a little bit of my personal story, talked about my like professional story, and then connected the two of them. And it's this great full circle moment. That was great. I guess like that story is somewhat unexpected. I, I, f I feel like he wouldn't tell you unless the reason was to be to paint the picture this way. But basically, like you don't expect someone to have grown up in a toy shop. I, I also found that to be kind of cool that 
Yes, being it's unexpected. childhood. Yeah, like unexpected hooks are ways to also grab someone's attention early. And doing that early also is important because I think he talks about like within the first eight seconds of Ooh, yeah. all these movies is when, you know, you, you, you sink it in, like you give someone the reason to be like, oh, this is interesting. Like in mm-hmm. Incredibles, you know, within the first eight seconds, he asks, what if superheroes were banned from saving people? Like that's such a fascinating concept and it's immediate, like as soon as you start the movie, right? A hundred percent. And with Ratatouille, it was like first eight seconds. What if a rat wanted to cook? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you want to find out what happens. Yep. And then after you hook them, you have to make a promise um, that like, what you're about to watch for the next 90 minutes or like this keynote I'm going to give you for the next 30 minutes will change your life. And so he also talks about like the fact that people want a transformation, whether it's through the character they're watching or, you know, if you're selling them something like always remember that job to be done, what matters to them and how can you take them there? If it's like, Hey, watch this keynote, I'm going to make you happier. Listen to my sales pitch. I'm going to help you figure out how you can be do your thing faster or better, more ROI, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Promising change, whether it's the story that's going to be like personal and like intimate to your life or something like a product or service that's going to help you. It's talking about building up that world in which your product or service will be useful, right? I think the other thing that that reminded me of was Duarte being like painting the world of what could be versus the world that is. And that's what she talks about her ebb and flow, the back and forth. And his just follows the same, the same exact shape, just with a slightly different word language around it. Yeah, that's right. It's the setup, the build and the payoff, the hero's journey. Yeah. Beginning, middle, end, right? But the, I like the way that he did like emphasize rather setup, build, and then payoff. Like to me, those do feel a little more like it gives you more of a reason to, to hang on and is, is almost like the drop in, in a music, you know, like some like techno music or something like, yeah. like, like wait for it. You know, like how can you think of your, your speech or your presentation as a way to like really just keep thinking about like, all right, how am I going to get them to care about my, the next thing I say and the next thing? So yeah, yeah, rather than just, here's my beginning, here's my middle, you know, like keep them coming, like Mm -hmm. have it all build up toward that, that answer that they're seeking. Yeah. Which brings us to his own payoff, you know, in like the presentation in of itself, we wanted to talk, touch on because it's such a good example of less is more focus on imagery and his story and his talk track really lead the way with the images just behind him. He uses like a lot of before and after frames as far as like, especially in the beginning when he's talking about storyboard. And if you're not familiar with storyboarding, you know, I dropped out of film school, so I can kind of tell you, but he, you draw the kind of scene that the person, you have got a script and then you've got the storyboard. And that's what he says animators are given. And those are basically like the comic books, like loose sketches framework for making what the scene might look like in the end. And those are were really exciting to him. And what it reminded me of Mikey is slides like PowerPoint slides. Cause you kind of develop like this framework around a story or any kind of presentation and build an arc around that with your client, with your yourself, if you're doing your own um, investor deck or something. And that's really exciting. That's the exciting piece to be part of, right. To yeah. kind of build that out. From the beginning. Storyboarder, when you like when you take someone's like like a big fat script or something and you start to like actually storyboard things out is where you start to see where you're gonna 
like how the pacing and timing could work too, where you're like, all right, there's this huge chunk of like four paragraphs and there's only like one little thumbnail, like that is going to start to be really dull. Um, And so I think that's where you also just start to think about the cadence and of an actual delivery of something. And then how can those words translate and, and be supported by what's on the screen visually? So yeah, you're right. Um, he his slides were awesome. Uh, I wish you could have seen more of like that's why I want to go see him in person now. Uh, is because yeah, I think like we only got a glimpse of it, but I imagine his like his click pacing. You know, like when a really good speaker like hits the timing just right on the mark, right when a you know like one of those pictures behind him appears. I bet he had that down pretty dang well. Oh, you could tell. Yeah, and then at the very end, he shows a very like emotive Mercedes Benz ad where there's really minimal mm. script. All it is is visual. It's about like a little kid meeting like a girl for basically a date at the Cineplex in a snowstorm. And he says something like, you know, it's a it's well-written story when you don't need much of a script and it's from you're crying at a Mercedes Benz, right? Yeah. And you have you got that quote from him at the end, right? Where people aren't gonna remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. The, people won't remember what you said. They're not gonna remember what you did, but they are gonna remember how you made them feel. That is so clutch. Like we always ask our clients, like, what's the one feeling you want someone to have like after this presentation? And I, it's funny, like it stumps a lot of people or or like, what's the one thing that they should remember? Um, So yeah, if you can really think about it, like, gosh, what is that emotion that you want them to associate with what you just said and did? And that really is, um, it's a tremendous insight just to to have in your back pocket when you're thinking about your next delivery. That's a good place to start from. And now you know that's where Pixar animators start from too. Yeah. So is that so? Not to jump ahead, is it um, walkout music? We thought it was gonna be. You got a friend of me, but <laughs> is it uh, who sings a hooked on a feeling? <laughs> yeah, more than a feeling, right? More than a feeling. More than a feeling. Yeah. Um. No, oh, I don't okay. know. Will's gonna have to look it up for us. Mikey, you know by now that I just am not good with the names or like the uh, general aliveness of people. So <laughs> whether or not they're here and still making music for us is unclear. <laughs> yeah. Hooked on to feeling is one. Boston. Oh, no, that's different. <laughs> Editor Will, um, I think we're going to have a couple songs to around the, the wordplay of feeling. The way you make me feel. I got a feeling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, on that note, Mikey, I think it's time to open up the spice cabinet. Spicy. Yeah, spicy. And what kind of season? You were in a we're in a special season, Mikey, that you might want to give a shout out to. It's something called Demo Day, yeah. which what's listeners might. Day? Yeah, what's yeah. a demo day? Okay, so early stage founders who get into like an accelerator, generally there for I don't know if it's always like three, like a quarter. Uh, maybe it's longer than that, like six months. But at the sort of as the capstone culmination of their. They're working closely with advisors at these at these accelerators. At the end, they let them all go up on stage and present their stuff. So they get like, generally, it's only like three minutes, maybe sometimes like three to five or seven minutes to get up, give your pitch, and then you're, you're speaking to a room full of investors, like in some cases, like hundreds. And so it's a really cool opportunity for early stage founders to, to do it. And we've been definitely working with quite a few of them this last month grinding. And I think one, one VC I talked to said like a lot of investors sort of like they dip out for the summer. I think the reason a lot of demo days is, is late May is because then their kids graduate and they go off to 
who knows, somewhere probably pretty cool for the summer. And then I think the other, I think there's another, like if there's a fall cohort, then uh, I think uh, October is the other, the other time for demo days. But right now we're in the, the late spring version, pre-summer. It's pretty yeah, fun. So cool. Yeah. And then you're, I put this on here because I think I flew into Savannah, but I'm, I'm in South Carolina, but flew in there. And Mikey's alma mater is not far. Savannah yeah. College of Art and Design, SCAD, familiarly known as SCAD, is led by, the art school is led by a fearless Paula Wallace that Mikey was just telling me about. Cool lady. Looks like she's written some children's books, Mikey, by the way. And there's like some sweet interviews of her interviewing Molly Shannon and stuff just on yeah. my like initial okay. Google. And this school is well worth the follow. There's so many amazing artists that have come out of here. I'm not just saying this because I work with several of them, but there really are. There's so much talent. When I visited Savannah just for the day, going into, they have a cool student shop where like they sell a lot of the student art and mm. mer merch, if you will. And it was phenomenal. There's lots of information on the student, where to follow them. If you're looking for any kind of inspiration and you're around that area, it's well worth a step into. I miss Savannah. It's so cool. And he'll, yeah, yeah have fun out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe the coolest part about SCAD is their their athletic team mascot are the bees, the mighty bees. Yeah. Buzz buzz. I love that. Also, I think you're down there when it's like the jasmine blossoms are blooming, which is, might be mm. one of the best smells on earth. Mm-hmm. Got to bottle that, put it in a candle. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's so nice. I'm just getting bit by mosquitoes and loving the humidity down here. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, it's fun. And then while I'm down here, I'm going to start a new book. And that's part of the Presentation Thinking Book Club. We finished Made to Stick. Part one, two, and three are out now, basically, uh, if you're listening. And that next up is called Humor Seriously. And this is by Naomi Bagdonas and Jennifer Aker. And I can't wait to download it on Audible because anything about humor, I think, is fun, especially just to listen to someone narrate it through, yeah. like, actually. And how did you find out about that book? Like, you threw it on the list. Yeah, I think Nancy Duarte... Um, posted it on LinkedIn and I follow her. And Amazing. I think those we'll two authors, yeah, they work at, I think they both lecture at Stanford, which is like some college out West. But, uh, so I never heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah. No, I, I started the audio book and they're very clever. It's, it's really fun, funny. And I think you're going to enjoy it. And they, yeah, they're good at narrating too. Awesome. So join us, read along. If you want to, um, do you want to tune in? Like pick up the book and read it. And then Molly and I are going to talk about it probably in like two or three weeks. And yeah. you could listen along. Exactly. And we'll, and we're slow readers. So just like, don't Scream be intimidated. Myself. We'll be the people coming to book club, like with less, ha less mm -hmm. having read. Like nothing to offer basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd love to just pick your brain about it. So if you have thoughts or have read this book and if you have books that could fall into the presentation thinking book club list, yeah. we'd love to know because this is collaborative. Let's get out there. Let's get out Breeze. there. Breezy. And keep on pitching, everybody. Keep on pitching. Thank you so much for tuning in, Molly. Have a great rest of your vacation. Thank you so much. 